I have to feel and I do feel responsible for the fact that we're not going to play this season, that we're not going to play play, play, play. It appears COVID-19 has sacked the 2020-2020. You are listening to Rouge, White & Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. CFL podcast. I'm Oz Davis. I'll be the co-host for this. Uh, tempted to say it's a show about nothing. Joining me as always is my co-host Joe Pritchard. Joe, how's it going? Well, I would say we're doing a show about nothing good, but that's not right because we have Scott Adamson. Uh, right. uh, I think he's a two-time guest now uh, who has a new book to talk about. So that's definitely something good. Hi, Scott. How's it going for you? Hey, guys. Uh, go- going well. Hope you guys are handling pandemic mania like the rest of us are. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking Scott's new book, The Home Team, My Bromance with Off-Brand Football, a little bit later in the show. But Joe and I have not recorded an episode of the show since the August 17th announcement uh, from Commissioner Randy Ambrosi that the 2020 CFL season would be canceled. I think shortly after that, maybe a few days after that, the uh, college football or most college football conferences, programs, whatnot, announced a cancellation of all or most of their season. And so, of course, I wanted to talk a little bit about that, self-flagellate ourselves a little bit and, you know, bemoan the fate, the possible fate of the of Canadian football. Um, Joe, we discussed kind of doing a show uh, a lot earlier than this but you were like nah let's not talk about it because everything sucks right now Um, how are you with this announcement now and with the cancellation of the season and whatnot well nothing's changed so i I would say as far as being a football fan goes everything still sucks every everything still sucks wow okay all right, so you're not looking forward to the NFL season at all? We'll see. Uh, it's going to be weird. Uh, if they if they get if they get it all done, I'd be mildly surprised. Although baseball seems to be chugging away at a somehow still keeping the wheels churning, even with all the chaos they've endured in the last month or so. But we'll see if the NFL can find a way to do that because it's not like you can really schedule a football doubleheader. So if they have a team that misses a game or two, it's going to be a little bit harder to make adjustments. So we'll see how how it all goes. I am looking forward to trying to follow some of the former CFL players in the NFL, hopefully including Reggie Bagleton with the Packers. That'd be great. Uh, but we'll see about that. Uh, I just know that nothing's been the same ever since all this happened. I, I could barely, barely pay attention to the Brewers, and that's almost just by um, – inertia really uh, like <laughs> the only reason i'm following it at all is because well i follow them there's but there's really just right. no joy in it right and of course major league baseball is really surreal i still can't get used to it the basketball is kind of working for me but the baseball just isn't uh scott what was your take if any on the cancellation of cfl 2020 
Well, you know, obviously since I led the CFL, I was I was disappointed. It didn't surprise me at all. I mean, it, it looked like everything was kind of barreling towards that conclusion, and it just yeah, I'm kind of like you guys. I mean, it just worries me because you know what's what's the future like? I mean, when a league this has to miss an entire season, and then you know, just in the last few days, so many people have been laid off. I mean, it's scary. I mean, I would hate to think that the last CFL season was last year, which I know that's an extreme way to look at it, but I tend to worry, <laughs> you know, maybe more so than a lot of people. And it just, it really does concern me about the, you know, the sustainability of the league. I would just, uh, you know, I would absolutely hate to see all that tradition and all that great football just suddenly disappear. Well, Scott, that's in play. <laughs> you know, to be honest, <clears throat> that's a very, very, very good possibility. Um, things happen very quickly in this world, and a lot of things are happening right now. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised. The relationship is so tenuous. I mean, the 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 sustainability, as you just said, is so minimal. Uh, in the CFL right now, of course, they're looking at a $30 million debt, and, and their best source of income is ticket sales. So right. not a great business model for the 20th century. I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the NFL's relationship with existence is pretty tenuous, too, in a lot of respects. But a $3 billion TV contract really helps. Uh, Joe, where are you on the, on the continued existence of the CFL question? Well, that depends. Are we talking about the CFL as we recognize it, or are we talking about there will still be teams playing football in these cities, maybe even wearing these same uniforms, but it's really nothing like we're used to? Hmm. Where are we at on that? Okay, all right. So so talk to me about this alternate. Well, uh, if this business model is not sustainable uh, and the CFL as we know it goes away, but – does that mean that nobody's going to come fill in the gaps, especially in the West? I, could, I can easily picture if this takes a lot longer to resolve than we hoped, and not having revenue for a couple of seasons makes it impossible for us to move forward the same way as we have. Who's to say there's not a lower level of football being played in Edmonton, Calgary, Regina, and Winnipeg especially, but maybe even a few other hot spots potentially. And it would be maybe I, I think there's enough grassroots there that something could be sustained, especially with a couple of these brand new shiny stadiums they want to get use out of. Uh, I just don't know if you miss next season and maybe even 2022, if you're going to have people still willing to shovel money in it. Okay. Here's the thing. We've never actually seen the devolution of a major sports league. Uh, no, wait, I take that back. I take that back. Because the Pacific Coast League, up until about the 1940s or 50s, was bucking to be a, a professional baseball league on the order of the National League of the American League. But eventually settled into a role as a AAA league once the minor league system was established in the 40s and 50s. Okay, so that would be our one example, right? But... To d degenerate into kind of a semi-pro league would be strange. 
And the other thing, and, and it wouldn't, and it wouldn't even be the CFL as we know it. That would go away. But, to, but in this thought, if they, if they can't find a way to get their financial footing under them, right? Well, what but Canada, what think, Canada had before was akin to, uh, yeah, again, like the Pacific Coast League system, where you had these two major leagues, but they never played each other, right? Until the Grey Cup, right? They never played. Uh, against each other, the Eastern League and the Western League, right? And that's what, from what the CFL was formed, right? Right, exactly. And you could, I could see, in a few years, if this, if this goes in a direction we'd rather not see it go. But if the CFL, as we know it, goes away, I don't think you're going to see hot spots of football like Regina and Winnipeg and Edmonton and even Calgary to some extent just throw up their hands and say, oh, I guess football's over. I think something comes back around. I think we see some high level of football in Canada. It's just I don't know if it's going to be as as close to what we're used to seeing as uh, as we have been. I would be surprised. I would be surprised. Yeah. It sounds more like one of Scott's uh, rogue leagues. Yes, uh, and, and there's there's um, and for us Americans, it's hard to wrap our minds around the seat like junior and senior level football or, yeah. or hockey or what have you. Yeah. But that might be it. Might end up being something akin to senior hockey, where you still have people playing hockey at a amateur to semi pro level and still competing in high in for a national championship of some sort, but you wouldn't see uh, guys that have not made it to the NFL come to Canada looking to get back into the NFL anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I'm going with Yeah. This. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would imagine at that point I would imagine a semi-pro level, a UFL league kind of thing. Because, look, the problem with football is this. A, you need a lot of guys. On a team, on a coaching staff, whatever, or at least we think we do in the current model. Okay. B, um, you know, the pay, the hazard pay is just not going to be enough on a semi-pro level. Scott, do you buy, uh, are you buying into Joe's uh, possible future here? Yeah, you know, I am. And another thing that that I thought about, especially when you you first started hearing about all the financial trouble, is just say some international group decided, okay, we want to buy the CFL, you know, kind of like what Dwayne Johnson and uh, Danny Garcia did to the, to the XFL. You know, just some group comes in and say, we're going to bail you out, we're going to buy the league. My worry, and, and this is just strictly from a fan standpoint, is you come in and, okay, like Joe said, you're going to keep the same teams, but now we're going to play by American football rules. You know, we're just going to go ahead and standardize standardize this a little bit and make it where it's more akin to a minor league to the NFL. And, you know, to me, that's the thing. That's what I love about the CFL. I love the rule quirks. I, I love how it's, it's not a different sport, but it's a very different game. And I would hate, I, I mean, I do want to see, you know, people have jobs and players have places to play, but if the CFL became just the CFL in name only, and they change the rules, that's what would really, really bother me. But, of course, obviously that's better than having no league at all. Right, right. Yeah, well, it was suggested there that Dwayne Johnson, 
<laughs> that's that's what he does, right? He eats up the CFL with the XFL, right? Makes, and and then yeah. there we go. We have the league that you proposed oh so many years ago, Scott, as you mentioned <laughs> as you mentioned in your book, where you have you know half a dozen teams in Canada, half a dozen teams in the states. You could even have you could even have your nomadic teams, like you uh, suggested. Um, there's going to be a lot of empty stadiums. Right. If if things yeah. progress the way that they progress, I have kind of a kind of a question that may be a bit of a heresy, but I feel like I should put it out there. Uh, I've been working on a, a an episode of the True of the Goats podcast about the future of sports, and I just you have to ask: um, Do we need football? And does football have a future? I mean, this pandemic, these canceling of seasons, this, you know, insanity that will be the, N- the next NFL draft day or CFL draft day. Um, this is just one more nail in the coffin, isn't it, Joe? Mm, not necessarily. I think our society will get back to a point where we feel comfortable gathering in large groups again. I don't know if that's going to be in six months or six years, but I think we get to that point again. And I think there's going to be a very large push to go back to life as it was. So I don't think a pandemic is going to wipe out the idea of football. We've seen the game evolve. I mean, even I have, and even I've seen the game evolve evolve, uh, from the years I've watched it to it's still the same sport but it's played a different way. And in 30 and in 30 more years, is it going to be played even a different way? Are there going to be different strategies? Are there going to be different rules? Probably, I would say. I would say that's a pretty good guess. In 30 years uh, the game so could I, be indistinguishable. It could be completely different. It could very well be, uh or it could just be a little bit less um take a little bit more and more of the collisions out of it uh, as we go. Or it could be just completely transformed. We don't know, but I do see. I do still see it evolve. I just don't think the pandemic is going to cause that evolution in and of itself. Okay, 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 okay. I'll come back to that, Scott. What do you think? Future football? Yeah, you know, and I'm just speaking personally here. I I know, and maybe this is more a function of age than anything else. But I have to admit that my interest in football has waned a lot. You know, as, as I get a little bit older, I, I get a little bit further away from football. I think I think that's why I like the CFL so much because it was different enough to where mm. it still kept me engaged. You know, I like the fact that, you know, smaller players had a had a place in it and stuff. But but I agree with Joe that it is going to evolve. I mean I think you're gonna get to the point where you're not gonna have kickoffs anymore. And they're gonna do things probably with the helmets, you know, some sort of you know, kind of like those helmets that they use at practice to prevent head injuries. I, I figure at some point they're going to have to inc- incorporate those into the actual game. And, yeah, I do think that it is going to morph into something that it'll still be football, but it'll be different enough where the people who grow up with that brand of football will look at what we've grown up with and go, man, that was weird, that crap you guys used to watch. So, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm just not – I just don't know if, if football, if people are going to be so passionate 
about it 10, 20 years down the road. Yeah, see, I mean, that's what that's again, what I wonder. I that's what I wonder too. You know, I wonder about Generation Z. You know, I wonder like, are these guys really going to be into like sports in general and and stuff like football and baseball, especially? I mean, are they really going to be into that? Really? I well, wonder. Is, I wonder. Yeah, this is the whole. Uh, you know, the way sports has been restructured just due to the pandemic. It's really. I think Joe alluded to it earlier. It's just really changed my perception because it's like the Major League Baseball now is like some sort of travel league tournament where oh, it's surreal. It's surreal. Yeah, I mean, it's like <laughs> some kids can't play because you know their their parents got mad at them and you know grounded them. I mean, it's just this bizarre thing where have all these cancellations. NFL, I mean, the NBA bubble. I'm a big NBA guy. I've enjoyed that, but it's still just bizarre i mean that's nothing is right everything is just you know two steps out of kilter and it's just really hard to get into it at least at least it's hard for me interesting uh is it uh, of course joe spoke about that earlier as well that he's finding it hard to get into as well i don't i don't really think that the pandemic kills these major sports uh in fact and and i don't think it's a question uh as joe said before i don't think it's a question of gathering in large groups i don't really think that's the problem especially with american sports when the tv contract is everything right but for me it's stuff like okay here's what's different about football in our day then every other day, yeah, innovations come and go, the game gets safer, you know, da 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 you know, the passing game increases all throughout history, da 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 But here's the thing. With the exception of times of the World Wars, uh, participation in high school and college football increases every year until about 2003, 2004. Since then, it's decreased every year. Okay, and it starts at the bottom. It starts at the bottom. Uh, if 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 you start feeling the pinch of talent in at the college level, you're soon thereafter going to start feeling the pinch of talent on the top level. And the thing of it is, football is unique among the major sports. What we consider in America the major sports, because nobody else in the world plays it. Okay, the rest of the world's going to care if the NBA cancels the season. No one's going to care if the NFL cancels the season. And really, no one's going to care if the CFL cancels the season in the big picture. Right. Nobody cares about this game. There is not going to be a talent infusion from Europe, like in basketball, from Scandinavia and Russia, like in hockey. You're not going to be able to do it, you know. And it's just like you should run. You should run on that platform to be the next CFL um, commissioner. I think you have a lot of people vote for you. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> no, just see, you're not going to get that huge talent infusion from Europe and worldwide. Yeah, I mean, well, the thing is, like, okay, the CFL. I, I don't know. Do you think that it's disproportionate the amount of money that they're pouring into programs like that? I don't think so. I don't think it's out of hand. I think they're kind of. You know, um, um, throwing throwing darts. You know, they're trying to see if anything sticks. You know, but I don't think that program is such a big deal. The in, international program. I mean, do you? No, and it's really not even to. It, it's really not even there to gather 
talent, although that'd be great if they could find more more of a talent pool and be a little bit less reliant on uh, American talent. That'd be that'd be a nice thing to keep maybe even keep salaries down for one thing. Uh, but for the other thing, it's hey, if we got enough players from, say, Germany or or the United Kingdom playing, maybe they'll buy a TV contract with us and we'll make some more revenue. I think that was the point of this whole thing to begin with. And we, as we can see, they have a problem generating revenue right now. So I can at least see what the whole point of the thing, of the exercise was, whether, it'll, whether it will ever bear fruit. That's another thing altogether. <laughs> yeah, well, at this point, uh, God only knows. Okay, uh, Scott, you got any last words on this subject, or shall we talk about the home team? Well, we can we can talk about but I yeah, I would like to talk about the CFL just a little, just, just in the sense, because it, it is interesting to hear, uh, you know, especially Joe, because I know he's so close to it. You know, way down here in the deep south, you know, I'm, I, I pretty much stand alone. I talk to people about the CFL, and they just give me these bizarre looks. But it would be – Oh, I'm used so to that look. Sad. Yeah. <laughs> well, it would just be so sad to me to see something that, you know, has been around for so long and, and is – you know, and I realize they don't pack stadiums and, and you know, they don't have – the best talent in the world, but it's such a great game and a great tradition. And to see it, to see it just kind of go out like a lamb, which, which is my worry. It's just, uh, it's really upsetting. I mean, it's, I'm hoping something can be done. You know, I don't think they're going to be saved by their, you know, etching your name in the gray cup for $300 or, or whatever. I mean, that's a nice little fundraiser thing that they're doing now, but, there's got to be a lot more done, and I, you know, but I don't, I don't have the answer. I'm not a financial guy, and I don't know what magical thing can happen between, you know, now and next year where they're going to hit the field and, and be in good shape. I mean, I just think if they, if they do get back, it's going to be a long, long crawl, and I just kind of, kind of dread what, what I think might actually happen. Well, there's not that you haven't had any experience with that, of course. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Joe Pritchard, master of the Segway, gets us to the second half of our program. Let's talk about Scott Adamson's new book. Uh, once again, that title is The Home Team, My Bromance with Off-Brand Football. Uh, more or less an informal, very subjective history of the, I counted nine, uh, professional teams that have called Birmingham, Alabama home for at least a couple of minutes. Um, yeah. I guess, uh, Scott, Joe and I talked about it before the show. I guess it, we'd, we'd like to start with, um, can you describe for us basically what's your impetus for writing this book and what's your process? Why did you want to do this and, 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 and what's it about for you? Well, it started when I, when I left the newspaper business, which was in October of 2017. I, it was sort of in the back of my mind, man. I mean, I, I, the first thing I tried to do is I wanted to write fiction because I thought, hey, I'm going to get out of my comfort zone and see if I can do it. And I have all these little pieces of fiction just sitting around on my laptop that, <laughs> that I never finished because I'm having trouble with it. So I finally said, you know, I've been obsessed with these pro football teams that have come through Birmingham ever since the first one, which was the WFL. So I kind of like to just sort of take myself down memory lane and then, you know, turn in the, that into something that maybe other people might enjoy going along for the ride. So I tried to 
when I tried to do the book, I approached it from the standpoint of the feelings I had at the time that those teams were in town. What I tell people is it's not so much a history of the teams as it's my history with the teams, you know, my perception. And, you know, I ripped through the first first draft of the book. I, I got through it pretty quickly, but it was basically just sort of, oh, I remember this happened, this happened, this happened. And then I decided to go back and add a little bit more color. And then I finally went back and you know, spent a lot of time at the library, a lot of time online doing research to, to do news accounts from that era. Because, you know, it's easy now to look back at the 1974 WFL and go, well, there's no way they were going to make it. They, you know, they didn't really have the money. But you don't know time. So I tried to, to sort of weave in my feelings about the team with news accounts of the time to sort of give people sort of a, a historical stat snapshot of each of the teams and just, you know, started 74 with the WFL and ended with the Alliance of American football, which lasted, I think eight weeks in, in 2019. So I'd, I'd even finished the book before I knew that the AAF was coming. I thought, well, I need to throw this in because they're probably only going to last couple of years and they didn't even last a full year which is which is standard <laughs> yeah have the the glory days of the birmingham iron were short yeah that was uh i don't know you know at first the league just kind of came out of nowhere because the xfl or vince mcmahon's second version of the xfl had already been announced and then all of a sudden boom here comes the alliance of american football which is run by the son of Vince McMahon's old friend. And so you're kind of thinking, oh, what's, you know, what's going on here? Is there some sort of weird rivalry going on? And I didn't think Birmingham was even in the running. And then all of a sudden one day I wake up, well, Birmingham's gotten a franchise. I thought, well, here we go again. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. You know, at that point, you know, I mean, you grow to be cynical. So you know whatever's going to come to Birmingham or whatever league's going to, you know, call Birmingham home, it's not going to last. I mean, because it's not going to be the NFL. That's the only one that would be sustainable. But with Birmingham's luck, that would be one of those situations where they'd move a team to Birmingham because the owner got mad at, you know, whatever city he was in, and then he would move it out as soon as he got a better deal. <laughs> excellent, excellent. I, uh, as a good... I only received this book a day before recording this episode, so I was only able to read a few pages of it. But as a good child of the 80s, I went straight to the USFL chapter and the Birmingham Stallions. Now, for those of us who were around at the time, and the WFL was kind of like this, but the USFL really captured the imagination. It was really different than the other rogue leagues that have come and gone. Scott, can you explain to folks that weren't around, like, what was that like? Why was the USFL especially so different? Well, for one thing, they did have owners who did have money, and they did bring in really, really good players. I mean, if you look at at some veterans of the USFL who went on to become not just stars in the NFL, but Hall of Famers, it's a pretty long list. I mean, you had guys like Jim. They are one of the greatest defensive players of all time in that league, right? Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, my gosh, it was just every team had at least you know, a handful of really good players. And it was just, it was just a damn good football league. I mean, this was something that by its third season, I honestly believe that, that two or three teams in that league could have been 500 teams in the NFL. I mean, they could, I'm, I'm not, 
thing they would have, you know, challenged for a Super Bowl, but I think they could have been eight, eight, maybe even nine and seven type teams. I'm specifically uh Baltimore and Birmingham last season. But it was just it was just a good league. They did it right and from the standpoint of they brought in great coaches, great players. Uh, yeah, I mean that was that was far and away of all the you know, the brand X leagues or whatever you want to call them, that was far and away the very, very best. And that was just absolutely heartbreaking when, you know, they announced they were going to the fall because you got to know, you, you know, you can't compete with the NFL. You just can't do it. Do you, uh, do you recall who was pushing for that idea to I, compete directly? I do. It was one of the owners, I think, in the league. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Yeah, it started though. with a T. Last name started with a T. Yeah, I, I try not to think yes. about it. <laughs> yes, some some jackass from New Jersey or something like that. Whatever happened to that guy anyway? Uh, I don't know. I think I think he had delusions of going into politics or something. Let's see, Scott. Uh, actually, I wanted to tell you this at the beginning of of this segment, but I'll give it to you now. I just wanted to wish you belated congratulations for winning the contest to name the 1982 Birmingham American Football Association team. Oh, yes. Congratulations on that. Oh, I have delusions of doing this every time. I don't even live in these cities. I got a couple of great names for a Las Vegas basketball team and a baseball team. So I'm, 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 I'm praying they have a contest because I've got a couple of winner names. I've always dreamed of winning one of these contests. And i got to say, I can't stand uncountable names, but Alabama Magic has a nice ring to it. Well, you know, and I think I mentioned in the book, I assumed when they when they announced they were having to name the team contest, right. I assumed it was going to be Birmingham, which was the Magic City. Right. When they named them, you know, we're going to be the Alabama Magic, I thought, well, that makes no sense. You know, if you want to call them the Alabama something, call you could call them, I guess, the Yellow Hammers. That's the state bird or whatever. But I thought that was kind of right. But there again, it was one of those things where I'm sure there were 100, 200 people that submitted that name. But... They pulled my name from the hat, so that was the important thing. I mean, that meant I was not only talented but lucky when it came to uh, to picking team nicknames. That's right. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. I, I I read this before because you actually had me uh, take a look at the first draft of this way back or the second draft maybe way back when, and uh, I, I I I may remember the story but I have forgotten it. Can you please tell me the story behind the name of my all-time favorite uh, Birmingham team name, which is of course the Vulcans. I mean, like, like they named this team after Star Trek, right? Well, that's you know, anyone outside of Birmingham thought that, but uh, Birmingham has a statue. <laughs> <laughs> um, looks over the city. It's, it's Vulcan, the god of iron, and he he stands oh. above the city. So that's how they came up with the name. And you know, I was thinking because the statue is kind of cool looking. I mean, you can Google it and can see it, but. I was thinking, oh, that would be kind of neat if that was the logo that they put on their helmet. The logo they came up with, I think, is pretty cool. You know, it's just a little V with a flame coming out of it. But, yeah, yeah. I, I know a lot yeah. of people who were not familiar with the city of Birmingham. They <laughs> made the Star Trek connection immediately when they called it Falcon. So. Well, 
Well, I knew I knew that uh, Vulcan is, for example, a Latin word for volcano, and like I know he's he's a god of smithing and uh, of volcanoes and whatnot. But uh, you know, I didn't think there were too many volcanoes uh, outside of Birmingham, so I was I, I, I never got that connection. Well, okay, when, when okay, that, that, that makes sense. That there was just lava rolling through the streets at this point. Uh, <laughs> No doubt, no doubt. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised either. So, Scott, for 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 those listening that don't that may not be thinking too much about uh, all these alternate leagues that have come and gone, why do you think Birmingham has always been an attractive place for these leagues? Well, I think early on, you know, it had the the reputation of being the football capital of the South, which was based solely on all you know the the college football games. I mean, Alabama had a huge presence at Legion Field, as did Auburn up until, uh, I guess, maybe the early 90s. So, and in and, and Legion Field, you know, there was a time when it was one of the premier stadiums in the country. I mean, at its peak, it seated over 80,000. But in the, in the 70s, when the WFL came along, I think it seated 72,000, but it had... Uh, you know, new AstroTurf, and that was before luxury boxes became a thing. So it was, uh, you know, it was just a, a really great venue, and Birmingham was kind of that tweener city. It was in Atlanta, but it was big enough to where, you know, if you were looking for, for another city close to Atlanta or close to New Orleans where you might want to put a sports team, Birmingham just made a lot of sense. So, you know, I, I think that it was always when it's, when anybody was going to come along and form a football league, they were going to look at Birmingham's reputation and think, well, you know, once we get our major media markets, Birmingham should certainly be in the conversation of, of another team that gets a franchise. So, you know, I, I think that was kind of the, their, their end for all of these leagues. Yeah, it's weird because Birmingham was considerable for for a franchise team in the 70s, but it never seemed to get that boom in population or wealth or whatever that a city like Charlotte does. Right. Where all of a sudden now Charlotte has all these pro teams. You know, they got football, they got basketball. Uh, whereas before they were way small in Birmingham in the 70s, so a much smaller city. So, but, but it seems like yeah, Birmingham just never seemed to get that big boom that some other southern cities did and thus allowed them to get the the yeah, top level pro I mean, teams the wfl or during the era of the wfl and the usfl i never and would have dreamed that charlotte and nashville would be nfl teams. yeah i mean that just would have <laughs> yeah yeah at the time yeah was it I mean, I was I was living in the north at the time, but I knew that, you know, Birmingham was much more in line. I mean, uh, you know, they had top level minor league baseball teams there and, and whatnot. Um, how did the comparison kind of, a little bit off subject, but how did how would you compare the popularity of some of these um, rogue football teams in Birmingham with the spell that um, Michael Jordan had with the Barons? Oh wow, yeah, that was that was a really bizarre time because the the Barons had always drawn fairly well, but when Jordan yeah. played, you know, they packed out. At the time, they played at uh, Hoover Metropolitan Stadium, which I think seated you know ten thousand or whatever, and they basically packed it out the whole time Jordan was there. And but it was funny; people would go, and, and I was one of those people. And 
when you know Jordan, when you knew it was his last at bat or whatever, then all of a sudden everybody was oh, leave, you know. But <laughs> that was more Birmingham was that to me kind of fell into Birmingham being an event town because it used to whether it be a golf tournament or Olympic soccer or something like that, Birmingham was really really good at showing up for one off event. And even though Michael Jordan was not a one-off event because he did, you know, play with them that one season, that was kind of the same vibe. You know, that was something that I think people knew was temporary, but they were going to go and see as much of it as they possibly could before it went away. Um, and I think that's a little bit different in the football teams because I think, especially early on when you didn't know, WFL comes to town, you think, oh, they're going to last. And then when the USFL came to town, you thought the same thing. But then after that, and you can sort of see how attendance started to drop, I think people kind of caught on to the fact that, yeah, I'm glad Birmingham has a team, but they're not going to be around, you know, long enough to really fall into this. Right, 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 right. Which of these teams, I mean, I guess it's kind of like choosing between your children in a way, but which of these teams would you say was your favorite? Yeah, uh, somebody else asked me that, and it, I guess I would have to say it would be the Americans just because I was 13 years old. You know, I'd never, a year before, I'd never dreamed that Birmingham would get a professional football team. I was a huge New York Jets fan, loved the AFL, loved the NFL too, but not as much as the AFL. But, you know, there was something exotic because those were cities that you didn't live in and you could only see them on TV. And then all of a sudden, you have, you know, in your mind, again, as a 13-year-old, the World Football League coming to town. So I'm thinking of this, <laughs> be, this is going to be top level right out of the gate. We're probably three, four years removed from having a super-duper bowl for the WFL champ, you know, play for it all. Because, you know, I mean, you, that's just your fantasy. You don't think it's a business. You don't think there's any chance a team can, can fold or whatever. So that they were the team that made me – fall in love with all of it but you know now looking back I think the Stallions of the USFL were clearly the best team I mean by this third season they were so far and away better than any other team we had and then the Barracudas the CFL team I loved them and fell into the trap that oh well this is great because this is the CFL so the Birmingham team we finally landed into a in a league with stability and they're going to be here forever and forever lasted. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> and, and that opinion probably changed right around Labor Day, right? Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. It's it's amazing that you 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 have developed this very hard shell, this this very cynical attitude about about you know these rogue leagues about football in Birmingham, and yet and yet you are optimistic about the future of the sport. In general, well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, I, I, I think I follow sort of what Joe was saying. I mean, I think in some form it will exist, but fortunately, I'm at the age now to where it's okay if I'm not a huge fan of it anymore. <laughs> if that makes any sense, I mean, I kind of I'm on the back side of my fandom. So if football morphs into something that you know a new generation likes and changes dramatically from what it is now, that's fine. You know, maybe that's, maybe that's the way it was meant to be. Well, what do you watch for sports these days, Scott? 
you know, that's the weird thing. I'm, I'm a huge soccer guy, so I, you know, I watch as much soccer as I can. Um, I do watch the NBA. Baseball, I'm just pretty much, it sounds terrible, but the only baseball game I actually sat down and tried to watch was opening night when the Yankees played the Nationals. And it made it through six innings, six innings before it became an official game because of the rain. And I haven't watched a full MLB game since then. I just, I don't know what it is. I mean, I've sort of kind of fallen away from baseball in the last few years, but like I mentioned earlier, this whole 60-game tournament format just seems so weird. It's like I just want them to get through this season and start back next year and, and go back to normal where they play 162 games and, and the world is new again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Was it new before? So so you're so you're making the world great again? Is that what you're no, saying? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Mwaga? <laughs> I don't think they're red. There's no red in my house. But. There you go. Not even not even Vulcan's red, huh? Not like uh, right. Okay. Um, Scott, where can people uh, – do you do any social media? Where can people find you, and where can they get your book? Uh, well, if they want the book, they can go through Amazon or Burnaby Books, which is the, my publisher. And as far as social media, I'm on Twitter, uh, and also adamsonmedia.com is my website, which is – the short stuff, and that's basically what I really enjoy doing. I mean, the book thing was was fun, and I'm hoping to do a couple more, but I still, I've always loved doing just kind of the, the short columns, whether it's sports or humor. So as long as people read that and as long as I enjoy doing it, I plan on continue doing uh, that on my website. Very nice, very nice. Joe, how will you be entertaining yourself until we do another one of these podcasts? I don't know when. That's a good question. Uh, how soon are we doing this again? I don't know what, monthly at this point, it feels like? Yeah, yeah, it's about once a month. <laughs> well, there's really not getting any other any reason to do it, right? Right. Uh, okay, so on Twitter, your USFL Tecmo and your, we should get in a plug real quick for the dream, the all-time great dream fantasy CFL league uh, being played yep, out. Still, you want to give us give us an update? Still poking along. Um, it looks like Toronto, the 91 Argos are starting to make a run. Uh, we and we almost basically have our four-team playoff playoff uh, field set right now because our Baltimore and Sacramento teams are not putting a lot of wins in the, in the win <laughs> column but uh it's eh, which which makes uh andrew happy with his 03 eskimos they they their offense is starting to sputter but they've still got a little bit of a cushion here so if they can get it started back up he should be in good shape <laughs> <laughs> see i told you guys usa expansion was a bad idea <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that hasn't worked out that well for us either. Although, although I have to say, it's it's been again a lot of fun watching uh, everybody enjoy themselves. Even the teams that aren't putting a lot of wins in the win column are having fun. So that's when okay. you got something uh, wh- good. What's the name of the write-up for that? Uh, what's the name of the website for that? I'm uh, sorry. It's under it's under the uh, it's Greg's site. So bear with me a moment here. It is at Cold Snap dot cfl hyphen network dot ca 
Okay, there you go. Coldsnap.cfl-network.ca is where you can find the Cold Snap Dream Canadian Football League. Tabletop football playing out the all-time greats in Canadian football. And Sacramento. <laughs> and and parts of the United States. In any case, I'm Oz Davis. I guess you can find me if you like on Twitter at OzDavis42. Uh, you can also please check out my sports history podcast, Truly the Goats, wherever you download podcasts, wherever you like. That's that's right, folks. That's a shameless plug. Until next time, I'll sign off for the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL podcast. I'm my co-host Joe Pritchard and our special guest Scott Adamson. Have a great month doing whatever it is you'll be doing when the CFL's not on. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.